Live from 33 East, Ida B. Wells Drive, this is The Ryan Pollock Show on 88.1 WCRX-FM. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! The Ryan Pollock Show. I'll write it and we'll do it live! The Ryan Pollock Hey, welcome into another edition of the Ryan Pollock Show. Uh, the third edition now. We're getting crazy. They're, they keep letting me come back. It's been fun. Uh, got plenty of more local Chicago artists for you. Plenty of more Ryan Pollock shows for you. Today we got we got a packed show today. We've got the Hot or Not segment. What you're listening to. I'm going to rant a bit. So give me this microphone and everybody leaves for the day and then I just rant. I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of a review of The Rocket Man. You know, Elton John's new movie. I just saw that the other night. Uh, so I'm going to give you my take on that. But right now, we've got our first hour local Chicago musician in the studio. Uh, she's always chugging and plugging. She is so smart. We were talking outside uh, in our little lobby here at WCRX. And she's so smart. She knows what she's talking about. You can tell. She's always chugging and plugging. She's always out there on the grind. But right now, she's on the Ryan Pollock Show. Siri, how's it going? It's going well. Hi. <laughs> Siri. So she was just talking up a storm out there. Um and you can just, you know, when you talk to somebody, if they know what they're talking about and you are one of those people. <laughs> I'm glad. I hope I'm not just faking it. And, you know, I could be a con artist and you just would never even know, right? Well, that's true. And that's always like, we've never met before until now. We, we had a mutual friend yeah, and we, did. <laughs> um, we connected on Instagram uh, and I saw your, your Instagram feed and you looked like a legit musician and I thought... All right, I got to have her in. And so these people that I don't meet until now, I'm always a little nervous because musicians, sometimes they can be quiet. They can be really loud and talk a lot like me. Um, and so I'm always nervous right off the bat. And you came in, you start talking. I was like, all right, this is going to be an easy interview. Yay. I'm so glad I kind of put you at ease and your nerves kind of like could calm down. Yeah, I, ch- I can chat up a storm that's exactly the right expression oh good <laughs> all right good well then this will be an easy show um siri tell us tell us what you do and i'll just have you get right into the microphone too Ooh, okay. uh, yeah Got tell us tell us what you do um it, it, like i always call this the baseball stats you know like baseball cards you ever do you ever collect baseball cards like me? No, I watched my brother collect Pokemon cards, and that's as much of that kind of hobby <laughs> as I've gotten through to. Not baseball cards, though. All right, well, Pokemon cards. <laughs> give me give me your stats. If you had a baseball card, what would the back of your baseball card or your if you had a Pokemon card and it said Siri, what would the mm. back say? So. Wow, what a! It would be shiny because it would be a holographic card. That would be the first thing. Limited very, edition. Limited edition, very shiny. Um, I, I guess the first thing would be piano. That would be pretty up there, um, considering I have this classical piano background. The singing is probably debatable, depending what kind of singing you like, but. I have a nice uh, low gritty range, um, and it's becoming more full and or fuller, and has resemblance to Lana Del Rey and Adele. However, I also have a very wide vocal range, so all my highs sound a little bit more. Uh, I used to call it the Disney Princess range, but people think it's more melancholic and ethereal and very pure and so I like to use all my ambient stuff with my high range and songwriting skills um I guess yeah I'm a singer songwriter um, by nature so even though there are tons of different arrangements on my music depending how I perform them or what you hear in the studio um I feel like at the crux it's the singer songwritery feel very poetic lyrics very 
well thought out like storytelling themes um yeah that's yeah uh i would say that that's a good uh a good description of your that would be a good baseball card uh from what i've gathered now we just <laughs> met like 15 minutes ago so i maybe i don't uh maybe i don't know completely but I, you said singer songwriter and i was curious because you looked singer songwriter to me when i looked you up on instagram when i mm-hmm. first saw you that was my first impression mm-hmm. um but then i listened to your music and i noticed on apple music and spotify it's labeled as electronic yeah which is interesting because even I'm going to come out with another um, single soon. And I partnered with a producer named Brian Skoulis, um who lives out in Jacksonville, Florida. And he has a very electronic background. Uh, he's part of another group called Lands and that's their sound. And I feel like... Be sure to um, check out WCRX's variety of podcasts, including the Spotify Career Class, hosted by professors Flora Benetti and Lisa Hopkins New The Career Class is about chasing success in contemporary America, feeling motivation, aspiration, and, and striving for growth in individuals' and careers. And very check it out. Um, and you have really something kind of sort of like about, Lana Del Rey or some people reference Florence and the Machine, and I think because both of them and all three of us would fall under the category Baroque. Them and going, which has classical a little bit about our difference, our disagreement, but also has this and using it as a way to learn contemporary kind of feel, adding it on to But most people don't know what Baroque pop is, which is why I never use it as my descriptor, except on my Instagram. Available wherever you get your podcast. But it's like if I were to have a Wikipedia page, that would be what you would see as a label. I probably say more like moody cinematic pop. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to describe it for somebody that didn't know anything, or you know, maybe they just li- I listen to rock or I listen to punk. <laughs> what would be your one word description then? Because you said you know electronic on Apple Music, and you, but yeah. but you also have a lot of singer songwriter elements, and that's good. I'm not saying yeah. that that's not because I think it it's better to. Um, have more genres than less because yes. you're limiting yourself. And I always find it interesting to see what other people might think that I sound like because, you know, I, I say like, oh, yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter, rock, maybe pop. And then they're like, no, you're not. You're this. Yeah. And so it's interesting to... I would say singer-songwriter. Inevitably, if I play a show and it's just me and the keys, which has been happening often now and as of late, and I've been doing a lot of things like so far sound shows... So it's just big me and shows. Keys. Those are those, those are, are amazing. Good shows to get in. Those are incredible shows. I am so grateful to that network. And yeah, recently it was just me and the keys, and it sounds like a singer songwriter. And so people are a bit surprised when they finally hear my EP. And um, it has its benefits. I think some people really like my music, completely stripped down, raw how I would have written it from the get-go, how my voice memos sounded from the very beginning um, with a little revision here and there. And it's um, honestly part of it being I haven't found a full-time band yet to like follow me around and to do all those other layers that you hear in um, the studio recorded version. I've had a really great drummer who's I've been the most consistent name, Michael Hoy, and he goes by Saboteur. But other than that, we've had session musicians in and out. And but, you know, I I try not to get down about it and I keep performing. And I feel like the intimate settings are where I actually make the most valuable connections with the audience. And there's always somebody who's just like that that song. Uh, that poetry uh, really hit a feeling in me that I've known and you labeled it and you expressed it through this sound and I want to know who you are and so I keep doing these shows and um, they've been wonderful I really really like them so singer songwriter is probably uh, more of the real local version that you're going to get of me and we'll see what happens in the next few months. I don't yeah, know. that's good. I, I like that you your songs are different. I've complained about this on the show before. As you can tell, like, I mean, I've got a ranting segment. I'm going to give you my review. I like to give my opinion. Um, and I like to uh, I like to rant. <laughs> uh, but I, I like, I, I've complained before when people say, like, I do this cover song. And 
they do it exactly the same as the original. Mm. And it's like, I'll just listen to the original then. Right. You know? So I, I like that you kind of cover yourself live or you cover yourself in the studio, but it's different. And you kind of get a two for one when people hear you live and if they like it or they kind of like it and you entice them just enough to listen to your recorded music, yeah. they might like that better. Yeah. And who knows? And some people are vice versa. They're like, oh, you sound better live. And it's something about that energy. I feel like I have pulled in a lot of diversity for that reason. And what I realized is in some ways I am not a genre restricted artist. And actually, when I think about it, most people aren't nowadays. Uh, They want to be a fusion artist. And it's inevitable just because if you grew up listening to all sorts of things, those influences are going to be in there. But what ends up um, happening is I'm attracting people with a similar soul-like nature and they contemplate on the same deeper questions that I have. And so I attract people who are of the hip-hop artist genre and they like this weird voice that I have and uh, they like the depth that I have in there and um, some people who like pop. Some people are just like singer songwriter And I think, yeah, it's been fun having to adjust myself accordingly because I don't have a full band and I have to think to myself I I can't let that stop me um, if I can't do a certain arrangement of it yeah that's good though you can't you can't stay um, too narrow-minded especially in today's industry and today's world you have to continuously be adapting yourself and Mm-hmm. That's good that that you're able to do that. And working with musicians is tough too. Never ever hire a musician. <laughs> yeah, and it's, they'll show up late. They'll show up late or drunk. And it's funny because when I first was doing it, I felt guilty because I was saying I don't have enough to pay for musicians, and I thought I just need to like get these shows where we were making a ton and we would split, you know, the costs at the end of the night. And then I meet musicians who've been doing it for like seven years and they say when we pay for musicians people act entitled and they just don't do a great job and um my drummer has been that one person who's not required that kind of a thing for me and he just wants to be there and he's integrity to learn the parts and just we we've stuck to each other not because we were under the same genre but because he shows up to his practices on time he is there for everything from setup to tear down and he does it with a total smile and even if we have disagreements musically we have this great uh communicative dynamic and this maturity to be like hey let's talk this out and hash it out and be upset at each other and then cool our egos down and then meet in the middle you know somewhere and it's been one of those things and I have said to myself I'd rather work with somebody like that than somebody who I don't know is like flaky or not yeah sure. and you ask them a question or you ask their opinion and they're like yeah yeah this that's fine yeah. you'd rather work with somebody that's passionate about it right and I'd rather work with somebody that might disagree with me but right. maybe we can find common ground exactly because who knows you might be harboring resentment against me or like a a, a quiet judgment and no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, that's good, though. That's good. You want people with strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back. Siri's going to play us a song, and then we've got plenty of live music coming up. You can tune in. We are on Facebook Live. Uh, we're waving at Facebook Live right now. You can tune in uh, and, and watch that at Chicago's Underground, our WCRX Facebook page. Otherwise, tune in on the TuneIn Radio app or on the radio. Hey, you're listening to The Ryan Pollock Show. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to check out WCRX's variety of podcasts, including Profiled, hosted by Kaylin Lore, which explains the unique artistic endeavors of a plethora of students at Columbia College Chicago. Hear about each artist's inspiration, accomplishments, and goals. Check it out. That was the coolest moment of my life. I mean, first time with a wireless mic, first time I really experienced what it was like to move around and work a big stage and work a big crowd and I think I got a little too excited at times 
Available wherever you get your podcast. This is the Ryan Pollock Show on Chicago's Underground 88.1 WCRX FM. Hey, welcome back to the Ryan Pollock Show. We got Siri, local Chicago musician. Uh, she's a piano player, but she's got a guitar in here. Uh, I, I was confused. I texted her. I said, hey, bring a couple songs you're going to play live. And uh, I said, I don't have a keyboard, though. Could you bring somebody that plays guitar? She's like, no, no, no I'll play guitar. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess she she plays guitar, too. Uh, Siri, I was listening to your EP, uh, the one that came out, mm-hmm. As I Am, mm-hmm. 2017. And we were talking about this in the previous segment about, you know, what, what would you label your music and electronic and uh, it's good. The, the production work on it, the lyrics, the, the, the messages, they're all good. What, what are your comments on it now looking back on it two years down the line? I'm really proud of it. Uh, the producer was Taylor K. Phipps. Um, he did a fantastic job. We really hashed it out for maybe almost... I would say we worked on it from November to June or June or May. So it was a it was a good like over half a year working together and it was a journey to find my sound. I had ideas of what it should have been, but it was Taylor was probably the most uh patient producer to work on my first album or my first EP with, and I really appreciate that process. I think I'm very proud of it. I don't think I have, you know, there are moments where you think to yourself, I didn't finish it. You know, there, there are things you can always do better, but when I listen back to it, most days, wow, that was a great first go. And I had a solid entrance into like the Surrey world and, um, and creating it to be what I feel like is really representative of the direction I went head into. So, yeah. That's good. You learned so much just from your first album, like oh, even yeah. in the the process of it. And I don't know if you're like me and you sweat over every single detail. And then it's like, just get the music out there. Because for so long, music sits on your hard drive and music sits yeah. on your computer. And you, you yeah. tweak it and you tweak it and you right. tweak it every day. And then exactly. it's like, nobody's going to hear it on your hard right. drive. Just get it out there. Even exactly. if it's not exactly what you want it to be, it's better than waiting for too long. It, no, it, it, there's a momentum and there's a flow to creative work, especially when you're working with somebody else. So if either of you start dying off and like getting ideas, because after you've heard it for you know a hundred billionth time, you're it all starts to blend to each other. And what other critique can you insert there that would make it even better? Probably not a whole lot. Because Especially to people that have never heard it. Right. I mean, you could play a song like maybe. It was at the two-month mark of working on it, and then the three-month <laughs> mark, and then you might notice a difference, but nobody's going to know, right. like, oh, it could have been better if she spent one more month on it. Right, and so it's like, okay, now the birth has to happen. Let's get it out, and uh, if we want to improve on that stuff, then it will come in the next few songs, but in this kind of... Uh, like social media world, I they always say probably consistency um, and having you know a single come out every few months and every that kind of a flow is better than doing a massive album and then not saying something for three years and then coming out with another album. Um, there needs to be kind of yeah consistency and you want to be prolific more than you want to have this big amazing thing and then drop off yeah um so having that in mind i was like okay we'll just get it out and even the few singles after that they're very different from my first ep but it was content it was still working with people it was still improving um doing what i could and hopefully you're gonna hear a single out in about a month's time if or two months time it's almost there, and then hopefully... Or three months, or four, three, or five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> trying to put the cap on, like, one or two months, but... <laughs> and then hopefully it'll lead into an album or more singles that are going to come out from here and out. Uh, we'll see 
what happens in the process but i have music ready i just need to work on it with people locked and loaded yeah speaking of locked and loaded we have one in the chamber right now she's got her guitar out (laughs) she's gonna play us a tune uh what song is this so this is called wild thing it's on my uh as i am ep uh and it's I guess I'll talk about it. It's about not controlling the people that you love and love in an essence being something that's freely given. And so even though you want to keep the people that you love the most, they are inevitably wild things and you got to let them have their freedom and to watch the relationship organically grow. Yeah. Wow. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Never love a wild thing It comes and goes as it wants It charm you with its beauty And suddenly it's gone You must have scared it away in fact, precisely not You can and not shut it And then it grew strong But how it's all so hard It's amazing when Wild thing off of your latest EP, As I Am. Sounded great. Uh, One thing that I know right off the bat is that you, uh, I know it's always a little awkward to like finish your song and then nobody claps, especially (laughs) when you're in the studio. But uh, if if we had people here, they'd be clapping because that was (laughs) awesome. Uh, But I can tell that you've had background in composition because... That song goes somewhere, and you were talking in a pre- in the previous segment about your voice, and you start you do you have two different spots in that song. You get really low, and then you get really high at the end, mm-hmm. um, and that it, that is perfect. That goes somewhere. It, it's interesting, and it keeps it interesting. And and I think that that's something that's hard to do with just a voice and a guitar. Yeah, thank you. I work so hard because 
I also get bored easily. That's like my personality type. If I can't have things sound monotonous, and it has really pressed for my sing, like my sing songwriting to like improve. Especially, I'm the type of person if I come out with uh, anything from an EP to an album, I want each song to be dynamic enough, or it just kind of gets lost. You, you don't have a favorite song and. I think a telltale sign of that success is that every time I present the EP to somebody new, I get so many different responses of who likes which song. And some people like the whole thing, but I always get a random... I didn't think one of the songs was that great. And lo and behold, my adult student was saying that was his favorite one, which was Music in Our Dreams. And I'm like, oh, okay. You like that one. Wow, I didn't know anyone would like that one. And he did. And I think it kind of shows enough diversity for other people to be like, this is the one I'm going to take from it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that artists release songs and one will blow up that they didn't expect to yeah. to do that. And then they're always shocked, like, wow, I didn't think that that would be the one that did that. And, <laughs> but it, it's cool. And that's why I asked you in the first segment what you would label your music as. Um because sometimes people have a different perspective on it and and it's just interesting to see where your art goes once it leaves your computer. Yeah, no, it does. And some of it, I think, I have, I don't know. I'm only entertaining this opinion and this idea. And some of it, you can't control what the audience is going to like or not like. But if you are trained enough compositionally and as a writer I think sometimes you can predict what people are going to like or not and it's because you know the technique or the mechanic behind it that kind of is oh I know people are going to like that hook I'm going to put that hook in or I know people are going to like that harmonic pattern and they probably subconsciously don't know what it is but I do because I like it and if it loops in my head and I test it out on different people they kind of inevitably say, oh, I don't know why I like this, but I really do. And I'm like, okay, I know what is like catching you on or maybe it's the instrumentation or something like that. So I think as I fine tune my skills and you know exactly, oh, this is the thing that keeps people onto my music and I'm going to keep using it or I'm going to find new hooks. Or yeah, anything. that's the hard part about you. You have all these analytic tools <laughs> And you can see where people are listening, what you can see, like what room they're listening from in their house. Like mm -hmm. you can so many details, but it doesn't say why they're listening. And that's, that's so the true. hard part to figure <laughs> you're out. You're right about that. Okay. Yeah. That's the hard part to figure out is you put something out and people love it and people are singing and they're like, wow, yeah, it's, it's catchy. But what is it about that? That's catchy. And right. then trying to replicate that again without sounding like the same thing right amount monotonous and robotic and mechanical actually i would say i have been very surprised at people who say in my performances i'd rather have just you and yourself in the keys and not with a band and i was like really you don't want the full production thing i think that would be like a little flashier a little more impressive and they say no just you and the keys that's tough because you get people that don't appreciate music as much or or I don't right. know. There's a lot of people that listen to music, but they they listen to it in a different way than maybe somebody that's been doing it their whole life. And so, so maybe true. somebody that's been doing it their whole life, it sounds good, just a piano and, yeah. and, and a voice. But maybe for one song, but you got to keep people that don't have that appreciation. Right. You got to keep them listening. You got to keep it going. I think too it has a lot to do with how i show up um energetically in a performance and if for that day i'm very convinced of my music or i'm i'm convinced of the message that i have to relay that night it could completely change and not it has nothing to do with an arrangement um of it i but yes i also think there is something to knowing the audience that you're going to be at be with that night and that evening and so for my so far sound shows like 
I know that audience is privy to completely stripped down sets who listen to music so much that you don't need the bells and whistles and they will know what's good and what's not. And they actually want more of the authentic raw sound. And then I know other people who go to other venues who are expecting something else. And I have to be mindful about the venue I'm at and who I'm catering to and if I if I can. Sometimes I show up in a venue, I'm like, oh, we all show up at venues we're like, nope, I didn't I didn't expect that. Yeah, change the set list. <laughs> no. It's like people listening to music is like uh, a college kid drinking boxed wine <laughs> and like this old man shaking the glass around and like taking a sniff and doing all of these things with the wine and sipping it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boxed like wine, okay. Oh two completely no. different uh two different listeners, people that are appreciating it for different reasons. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh well we have Surrey, local Chicago musician, uh guitar player as well, which I didn't know until a couple days ago, but she plays guitar, she plays everything. She's in the studio for the Ryan Pollock show. You can check her out on everywhere all of her social media outlets at Surrey Music. Spotify and Apple Music is just Surrey. Or just check out her website, which is a very well done website. Thank you. SurreyMusic.com. <laughs> it's got a lot of great videos. We're going to talk about those videos. Here's some more music after the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Ryan Pollock Show on WCRX FM. Be sure to check out WCRX's variety of podcasts, including Focal Point, created in collaboration with the Museum of Contemporary Photography. Focal Point is a podcast exploring the artists, themes, and processes that define and sometimes disrupt the world of contemporary photography. Check it out. What are the rules with photographing buildings and, and places where people lived their lives? And, and what have you come across in doing that project? Yeah, I mean, I try to approach it in many ways in the same way. Um, I don't always have the same connection to that particular place that I might have with a connection with a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I try to approach projects that, yeah, that are about that are about buildings or it, it involve buildings as a way to talk about these other things um, in a similar kind of way. Available wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Ryan Pollock Show on WCRX FM, and I've got local Chicago musician Surrey in. She's going to be until 8. And then I've got, I don't know how I finagled this, but I got another radio major here at columbia she's gonna come in and co-host the second hour with me um yeah she she's awesome she's so good uh ashlyn jensen is her name i don't know if that's her radio name maybe i just gave her uh gave her name out she didn't want that (laughs) oops but it's gonna be fun so stick around we've got plenty of stuff we got siri she's got her guitar locked and loaded uh we're gonna hear another song but first i wanted to say uh you should follow her on instagram because she's always she's like out there all the time love those people with that drive uh and one thing that you do that i see on your stories is uh you know stories last 24 hours so you'll be you'll be at a venue or something and you just get done playing and then i click the next one and the next one's maybe from a couple hours ago and you're teaching a kid <laughs> piano I'm nannying a baby or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to ask you about this teaching and, and <laughs> what inspired you to inspire others? Ah, uh, that's such a great question. I, I've had so many amazing mentors in my life and they've inspired me. And part of my passion is to ignite and to empower the generations after me. And part of it being you know what I wasn't even excited about teaching when I first left college but it's one of the things that you have to do as a classical pianist that's how you you know pay your bills but it ended up evolving into something that was full of joy and it was very healing for me especially having kind of been slightly traumatized through Uh, classical music culture and the perfectionism that exists in that world and the you know they say it's excellence but actually I don't think many people have figured out how to be confident and to play a really great we call it set list in the world I'm in now but um Repertoire. You know, repertoire <laughs> program. Say it with an accent. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I needed some way out. And when I was just teaching in the middle of China, these students were astounding me because they're so innocent and they've not been scarred yet. You know, a few of them I'm sure I scarred just because I brought so much baggage of how to teach and I was like aggressive and mean. Um, I'm less like that now and I try to be because I do believe much more in positive affirmation and making it sustainable for them their musical journey is sustainable and fun and them naturally picking up all these technical things that I want them to pick up just because they love it and it became such a duty and a military thing for me eventually just in my training that when I start to see them come alive and to come to life I felt my soul kind of open up and I became an even better musician through my teaching as well. So not only was I being humbled uh, in the process to kind of give to another person, but I was realizing all the things that I was not doing well as a musician because you kind of find ways to bounce around something that you're not good at. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. You just kind of stick to the things that you're good at. But when you have to teach it, you're like, oh, shoot, I have to be, like, really good really good at this concept. I have to be really confident in the side of theory because I started teaching it. And I have to break it down in such a way that is accessible to somebody who's not have all had all this intellectual vernacular. It's like, no, I have to break down this difficult mathematical concept in something that is, like, a bite-sized thing. And you have to be able to chew it and get it. Yeah, and I think that that is an issue that I've I've run into a couple times. I think that I'm thankful um, that I haven't as much. But teachers who who um, it's and it's always more classical driven too. It is, uh, <laughs> but they try to use big words and they try to intimidate you with these things. Yeah, and like you don't know this. Oh, how don't you know this? And you know, yeah, so you didn't know this either at one point. Right. So and somebody taught you, and you were probably right. And so it it is. It's not dumbing it down, but it's like, I'm going to explain this to you in a way that you're going to understand. And that's the hard part about, and like you said, you learn a lot about yourself and you get better too Mm -hmm. because you learn it. You almost relearn it in another way for somebody else. Exactly. And you can't get too cocky because I would take training and uh, like for a Suzuki certificate and uh, the Suzuki community has been, really healing for me too and uh, i'm i've only stepped into that world maybe a year ago what is that what is that community so suzuki is basically traditional way of learning music is you go by sight from the very beginning so you're reading music from you know a few lessons in but uh, suzuki is a ear based training and uh, it also depends highly on what they call the relationship triangle where you have the teacher, the parent and the student uh, having this equal force and this equal pull. And in some ways, and the teacher being the guide, the very like uh, smart guide as it were, but the teacher as well as the parent need to be in a tag team. So your parent can't just be like, Oh, this is like an hour babysitting that I drop this kid off at. And I, I never touch the piano. I never know anything that my kid is doing. I never know how to guide them. Like actually the te- uh, the parent is learning as much as this or not as much as a student, but at least half of what their student is learning. And this relationship is so key and part of it. And I actually write, wrote an article on it. Uh, the teacher has to be willing to receive from the child too. And the child oftentimes will, surprise you because you didn't think they could do this concept and I've seen children at these workshops do concepts that it took me years later in college to learn being a very like oh this is how you end a Mozart piece and you do it this way and this kind of a technique and they don't have to know what the name of that is they don't even have to know that it's difficult it was probably never difficult um, and they accomplish it and they they laugh at it and they don't know what they're doing. They're just doing it. And you're like, what that just happened? 
And uh, the Suzuki philosophy says that every child can. So there are not students that are more talented in it than others. You can teach any student, even um, you know people who you think should be set back in some sort of way, and they can do it. They believe they can do it. And so with that mantra, you as a teacher have that responsibility to tweak everything according to how that children is like able to digest it and you'd be surprised what they can do yeah Yeah, you got to adapt for every student everybody's different Mm -hmm. what would you uh then quick question and then we'll play we'll we'll play a song we'll i'll shut up and i'll let you play (laughs) um but what would you say you you teach so many kids if you could go back to a small younger siri what would you what would be the advice that you would give her oh, as a musician? I know that's a really deep question to yeah. just throw on you. And it 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 kind of like surfaces like more regrets than anything. <laughs> um and or just critiques of how I've been taught uh I would say um You have no regrets. You are you were perfect. No, I have so many, but it's I feel like there were things that were beyond my control. And like it was just the way that I was being taught and uh the way I was being taught was you were held to a standard and you were expected to get there, but there was not a whole lot of scaffolding to show you how to get there except for a few techniques here and there. And I remember I was at these like nerd piano camps, like the one at uh, Indiana university was very prestigious one. And you have really renowned faculty going there and teaching classes. And I remember one professor told me, you don't know how to practice at home. Oh, that's great. You know, you just told me I don't know how to practice. And then tell me how to practice. Right. Tell me how to practice. Um, Not only did, do I feel a sense of shame? I don't feel like you showed me a way to get to that standard that you say I need to be at. And I don't, I've taken all the stuff that my teacher has taught me. Um, and I think I wish I could go back and help younger Suri figure out all these little technical things that she, uh, just intuitively kind of mimicked out of somebody else, but never had someone really break it down and be like, you, you'll need to like learn how to relax into this and because when you start playing something a lot harder, you're going to tense up and you're not going to be able to do it. And that, I think, could have boosted my confidence. Uh, I also wish I had known how to use my ear earlier on. I actually started using my ear after I graduated college, which is insane. It was already kind of there, but I didn't focus on using it because I was so sight-based and I was so nervous about improvising. And yeah, and as a classic, I mean, classical <laughs> musician, you just, you give, they give you the black and white notes and you play it. Right. You need no ear. You don't just, need no ear. And that's what Suzuki is trying to get you out of is like, no, you you don't have to teach a kid a half note because it says it on the page and you count one, two. If you show a kid a song and they hear that long note they're gonna actually do that long note with the right amount of length without you even saying to them that was two beats you know and yeah they'll they'll know they'll they'll know it. it and some people don't like that philosophy but i think there's something behind that and thank goodness i had a little bit of music outside of classical which was like my church music to be honest where actually that's where i sung like i i didn't sing in my classical music world, I just low key did backup vocals for the church band and eventually started singing more solo things. But even then that was only after college when someone was like, do you want to step out of the background and sing in the front and lead a few songs? And I was like, are you sure about that? And I didn't think my voice was good enough. It surely wasn't good enough when I was in university. Um, the people kind of liked it and didn't, like it that much and and then it grew confidently and I had a British colleague that taught with me Spanish or he taught Spanish guitar he was accompanying my choir class in uh this in the middle of China and we were singing Christmas songs and he was like oh "Ah." my gosh 
I like your English voice. teacher <laughs> teaching you Spanish guitar, <laughs> Christmas songs in China. <laughs> or he he was teaching other people Spanish guitar, but he ended <sighs> up being my first uh, liaison to singing in a jazz lounge there. And he was like, I lost my singer. Can you sing? And I'm like, I just sang Silent Night for you with a bunch of <laughs> nine-year-olds. And you want me to sing at a jazz lounge? And he's like, you know, girl from Ipanema and it's summertime. And I was like, no, but I'll learn it. And I've always liked jazz. So I learned it and it evolved into the singing songwriting. Oh, and good. It was like, yeah, then this. Well, you got another song for us. Uh, <laughs> this one isn't jazz, but it is off of another one off your latest ep mm-hmm. correct and it has a pretty great music video uh so i highly recommend you check it out actually, yeah it does have a lot i was just i actually have it pulled up here online um i'm using the wrong mouse i had it pulled up online uh getting paint dumped on you uh yeah it's an awesome video check it out surreymusic.com um but here's the tune yes I go through all a mirrors Haunted by the reflections I see Every figure demented, misshapen Never the perfection I dream I was told I'm beautiful If then why do the lies seem so real Fifthly made and wonderful Only to be covered in shame Cause I, I want you to love me as I am, oh, will you be the one to save me from my Darkest corners are somehow appealing It is there I can secretly hide Then I met you the light of healing Exposing all of my world inside Cause I Hi, hi, 
want you to love me as I am. Oh, will you be the one to save me from my yellow? My say hello, say hello. Oh, oh, oh. oh. As I am off of the As I Am EP Siri music, uh, wonderful job. Thank you. Sounds beautiful. Uh, Siri, where can where can we find your music at, and uh, and do you have any upcoming shows? Yes, uh, you can find me on all the platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, even like these obscure ones, really Pandora as well. And you would like to, you should type in Siri As I Am. And they'll lead to my artist profile page uh, because there are a number of other people that will pop up first for now. But I will also have a show tomorrow evening at the Elbow Room and I will be on at 10. I will be uh, with Elizabeth Beckwit Beckwit, and uh, she's coming in from Nashville. So we're going to have this lovely female lineup. I will be at the Sunkissed uh, festival at Issa Studios out uh, um, on June 12th. I believe that's a Sunday, and I'll be on at around 3:15 or so. It's a it's a full female art poetry uh, spoken word music day. So please just go there and uh, participate in everything else because you know one of my. F- uh, favorite poets in the area and a child's is going to be there too and uh, known by Kill Manual so she's going to be there too and I will also be uh, letting you know on my social media um, links and things like that when the next uh, few shows are coming up I yeah. think so far is going to keep popping up and I know those are some of the people's most favorite shows uh, and so I'm going to be doing more with them and at Surrey music on all of the social medias uh, Surrey great job today thank, thank you, you for coming in thanks for being on the Ryan Pollock show did you enjoy the podcast be sure to check out WCRX's variety of podcasts including Profiled hosted by Kaylin Moore which explains the unique artistic endeavors of a plethora of students at Columbia College Chicago Hear about each artist's inspiration, accomplishments, and goals. Check it out. That was the coolest moment of my life. I mean, first time with a wireless mic, first time I really experienced what it was like to move around and work a big stage and work a big crowd. And I think I got a little too excited at times. Um, Available wherever you get your podcast.